Welcome everybody to episode 105 of the Startup Show. Today we are here at VideoIntelligence.ai together with the CEO and co-founder Kai. And today we talk about the future trends and trends in general of videos. We talk about what they do here and most important also, good entrepreneurship advice. Make sure to stay with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the startup show. Today we are here at the headquarters of VideoIntelligence.ai, a startup here in Zurich. And I'm very pleased to speak to the CEO and co-founder Kai today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Cedric. Thanks for being here. As I told you before, we are now in season two of the startup show. We changed the structure a little bit. I will show you along the way how we're doing it. But as I said before, um, investors are really curious to know who is in the hot seat, who is the CEO and the entrepreneur who I'm talking to. So maybe give a brief introduction about yourself to get started. I've been in Switzerland for 14 years and we started VI. And believe it or not, we started off aggregating contents. And that's exactly what we do today. But we've obviously built a ton of technology around that. We'll talk about this a little bit um, after you had a few pivots along the way. I think you had Viewster before. How was that for you to be, let's say, in entrepreneurship for, for such a long time now? So I think it's amazing. I don't think I could do anything else. And I think the pivots are part of the life of an entrepreneur. If you've got a preset idea of what you want to do and how it's meant to end up, that's not likely to be very successful. You've got to move with the market. It's maybe less than 1% of people who set out and want to do one thing and finish off doing exactly that. Or being successful at what they were doing. Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> Very good. So let, let's get a little bit into uh, VI.AI. Um, what do you exactly do at, at your company? We have built programmatic video infrastructure and we provide a video player to publishers who lack contextual video content. I said we aggregate video contents, that's true. We have around 25 professional licensors who give us contents. Uh, we have close to a million little content pieces and we match those using artificial intelligence. That's why the AI in mm -hmm. our name. We match those to the publisher sites, analyzing the keywords and then provide all the programmatic infrastructure to also monetize that video on the publisher site, so in his app. Walk me through, let's say, the process. I create content myself, as you can see. How does that help me, and how does it help the other side, your clients? Okay, so typically, publishers lack the right video content. And there's this word in the industry that's almost become a swear word, the pivot to video. A lot of publishers are text-based and image-based still, and they're struggling with video. You don't. You've started <laughs> with video, so it's the other way around. But a lot of publishers struggle with it. And they may have some video, but it's not all of it relevant to their new articles they publish. When they integrate VI Stories, we contextually match the right video to his story coming from a professional source. So it makes him look good in front of his users. And on top of that, with the programmatic advertising infrastructure we add and the demand relationships, we make him more money than any other advertising format can make him. So publishers are happy with us, right up to the tier one publishers reaching the biggest websites. You know, that's very broad. Do you have also, let's say, certain products that you offer to either side, let's say publishers or the companies? 
or how does it work? The content owners get a management interface, but our core audience is the publisher, and he also gets a management interface, and he gets to set up VI stories in a self-serve mode on his platform, in his front ends. It could be an app, it could be connected TV, or it could be a website, either desktop or mobile. Then our engine matches contextually relevant video to his articles, and we refresh all the time. We also provide an editorial tool that allows him to override, say it's a big news website, and they want to make absolutely sure that it's the right video. We provide an interface that allows them simple content management to approve and select the stories that we present. We briefly uh, talked just before the, uh, the official start of the recording about the new product that you launched. Now you said, well, this is it. What's this it called again? VI Stories. VI Stories. And yep. this is like what's, what's interesting. What I also spoke to, to a couple of investors in off-record interviews is like, how could you define and say like you found product market fit? How, you told me before like this is something everybody wants right now. How do you notice that like say in the market that like this is like such a popular or it's such a high demand? Well, I've just come back from a sales trip over the last week, and literally we now get to partner with publishers directly, but we also get to partner with sales houses and big media companies because we provide this white label. Everyone can brand it for themselves and we don't insist that we own the publisher relationship. That's the typical case. But take a big sales house. They own hundreds, if not thousands of publisher relationships. We can enable them with this product and they can sell against it. So if you will, we have pivoted slightly from selling previously media to selling technology today. And that opens up many new customers. And it's a product that just is right for the market now. Mm -hmm. When you look back, you know, like many people have a lot of ideas. How did you say like, well, this is like what, something that we want to work on and actually execute on this idea? You know, it's amazing. That goes right into entrepreneurship in a way. Uh, this product has been right in front of our noses for so long, but it took a lot of putting the puzzle pieces together. I can tell you it feels amazing when they finally click together because we had the demand relationships, we had the programmatic infrastructure, and we had a business aggregating contents. For three or four years, we thought about how do we bring this together and create a content marketplace that we also monetize. And it took us this long to figure it out, but now it really works. It's amazing. It's the right thing at the right time. Sure. I mean, like you briefly mentioned the big pivot to video. What did you mean by that? And like, what, what do you see currently in the market? So I think it starts with users and especially with younger users. They are a bit tired to read. They like to watch and they like to watch short content pieces. And a lot of publishers come from big editorial journalistic teams and they struggle to have the right video at the right time for the right article. I'm not saying that big media houses don't produce video, but it's not always relevant to the stories they're writing today. Take another example, take a smaller blog. They may not have, they talk about food, for example, they may not have the expertise to produce the right video for this recipe. At least it won't look good. So they'll struggle to have the right video available to them. That's the editorial side. On the other side, 
every publisher knows that in video they achieve the highest monetization, the highest CPMs, and they want to get to those. So they first need the right video content, and then they need the ads around it, but they often don't know how to do it because it takes dozens and dozens of demand relationships, it takes programmatic infrastructure, and it takes the right professional content that advertisers want to advertise against. And that's not easy to pull off. Otherwise, it wouldn't have taken us so long. Yes, absolutely. You just briefly mentioned advertisers. I was listening yesterday um, while I was preparing one of your speeches on YouTube about, about vi.ai. And you mentioned there about like, you know, that you have like always these like two sides, the advertisers and the consumers, and they both like, don't really have the same goal. So the advertisers want to show ads and the users don't want to see them. Like I would call it, let's say, the ad spillover, too much ads. Um, how, how do you deal with this? What do you see in the future? So I think you're right. And there's certainly ad blocking out there. And I think the industry got overly excited about all the monetization opportunities and they put ads everywhere. And ultimately, that destroyed some of the nicer user experience. I believe where ads are embedded in the content and hopefully also contextually relevant, users will not be adverse. And I'll tell you a real-life example. So one of the publishers we work with has a site talking about cars. There's an article that talks about how dirty diesel is as a technology. We've got the right video for it that we embed in the article. And then Tesla comes in and advertises against that. And I don't think the users will object. I think it all makes sense. The problem comes in where the ads are out of context and out of place. And that's what we try and solve along the way. In Europe, you've got GDPR coming, which is a big data privacy initiative. And I believe that will further enhance the need for contextual advertising. Mm -hmm. So the right ad in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the questions that I like to ask is, is about your risk um, that you, you've been taking also along the way. Creative Venture is an investor in, 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 in VI. Um, now, the question that, that I always hear from in investors, what they would like to know is like, how do you associate, let's say, risk? When you look at, let's say, you know, someone could invest in stocks or in a startup, what is your, let's say, approach to, to risk and how do you handle it while you're, let's say, building a startup? As a VC, I think they think about the market opportunity and the team, most of all, because they know that everything else changes and changes again. So VCs take huge risks and they've got to have a long breath. Uh, typically they do. We as a startup can only manage risk. And we've learned this, to be honest, relatively late in our lives by analyzing who are the dominant players in our industry. It's rarely a greenfield opportunity. And try to align with those players rather than outsmart them, run faster, compete with them. Those are all not good ideas. So you've got to align with the big boys out there. And in online advertising, those big boys certainly exist. Uh, thank you very much. We just finished the first part of our um, interview. Now we are going into a section called The Audience Asks. So what I do, I post on various social media channels, but mainly also on WhatsApp, the upcoming people I'm going to interview. And then my audience has the chance to ask questions. Now, usually people are 
they don't mind and they're very happy if I feature them online. Um, but today we have someone anonymous. You, before you said like he might be a competitor, we'll see, I don't know. But the question is the following. They would like to know what your future predictions and trends are in, in terms of video. I see more contextual video coming out. In other words, video matched to stories. I see more professional video. I see a backlash against non-brand safe video. I see people watching a lot less TV. You don't need to be a genius to predict that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's certainly happening and it's, it's very true. I see many platforms launching video, including in a bigger way, Amazon, Facebook, Snap. So there's a multitude of new players vying for video it's still the hot space. What I hear a lot sometimes from people is, uh, let's say to be a little bit, you know, challenging that statement is that like it's much harder to consume a lot of content in video versus text. You can skim, let's say, a long article much faster than you can listen and watch a video. I think that's true and it depends on the context. It depends whether you are at leisure and you want to be entertained or whether you quickly want to inform yourself. So I think it's different contexts. It depends on how much time you, you have available and what your purpose is. So now for the next section, we go into quick fire question and answers. I have a pool of questions that are always very similar and I pick five. And most important is that you answer quick and you don't have more than 30 seconds. What's most important to you in an investor? Long-term thinking. Best tip to get an investor? Be authentic. <laughs> Good. What's the best selling strategy? Again, be authentic, be enthusiastic and hopefully have the right product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. What do you look for when you hire someone to join your team? Character and to a degree track record because that tells me his skills. But most of all, fit with the team and character. Mm -hmm. Culture, fit. Yeah, culture absolutely. Fit. Absolutely. And ultimately, that's a very subjective decision. Sure. CV? Well, uh, you, you need that as background, but the decision uh, is made. That feeling. Yeah. Um, and for the last one, um, you have to finish the sentence, okay? Okay. My biggest mistake as a startup is? Getting very excited about new ideas and having too many of them and then having to prioritize. Yeah. And I think that probably goes for any entrepreneur. So you need a good counterbalance. For me, that counterbalance is our co-founder and he reins me in and we, we then skim it down to what really makes sense at the time. Okay, very good. For the last section, um, the floor is all yours, where I would like to get, let's say, your advice that you would give. We have a lot of, um, keep that in mind, we have a lot of uh, students who also watch the show. So let's say, if you keep in mind, let's say, aspiring entrepreneurs or like myself, aspiring VC, what would you give, what kind of, what one piece of advice would you give them? There's a couple, of course. <laughs> Don't start your company too late because you'll be bogged down by realities and you'll see less and less opportunities. So being a bit naive and very enthusiastic helps. Don't wait too late. And the second big thing I've seen with our peers is you need to adapt. It's not your idea that's right. The market is right. 
of course you can sustain an idea you've had for a while, but then it's got to, the market has got to want it. Otherwise, you've got to change, and if necessary, change again. And that change may feel painful, but that's not the point. That's why you became an entrepreneur. You've got to change and change again. And I think that's what the biggest success stories come from. The people who had one idea in mind, started that company, and never had to pivot and took it big, there are so few of them. That's maybe <laughs> Facebook and a couple others that everyone looks at. Well, that's fairy tale. When you start out and you set up your venture, be flexible enough to realize it's ultimately the market that decides. That really, really matters. Otherwise, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Kai, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. your insights into everything uh, that you do at the moment. Um, thank you very much uh, to my audience out there for staying all the way till the end of episode 105 of The Startup Show. And I'll see you soon with a new episode. Have a great day. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris Grossman from Beekeeper. We'll be having a great interview next week, so make sure to tune in and subscribe to the channel to make sure you get the notifications.